Today on Follow Friday, we're going to talk about broken windows, game jams, Chicago's worst food, the Berenstain Bears, the Berenstain Bears, and a perfect motto for the internet. That's in a minute with Mark Chrysler from The Constant. But first, I want to thank John and Justin from Transistor.fm for backing Follow Friday on Patreon. Transistor is an independent podcast hosting company with a simple, modern interface for uploading audio, distributing your podcast, and viewing analytics. You can make as many podcasts on Transistor as you want for no extra cost. And if you're working with a team, you can invite additional users to access the show settings, to upload episodes, view analytics, and more. Check them out at Transistor.fm. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet. Of folks you should know. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, a podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. You can help me make Follow Friday for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash follow Friday. You can also support the show for free by leaving a review at lovethepodcast.com slash follow Friday. Today on the show is Mark Chrysler, the host of The Constant. It's a science and history podcast about getting things wrong. Over the past three and a half years, Mark has covered everything from death rays to forensic science to a submarine that was discovered at the bottom of the Chicago River. You can find Mark on Twitter at Constant Podcast and on Instagram and Facebook at The Constant Podcast. You can also find the show on Patreon at The Constant. Mark, welcome to Follow Friday. Hello, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. So excited to talk to you. been listening to the show for many years now. I'm so very sorry. One of my favorite things about The Constant is that even though you cover stories from centuries of history, the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle comes up all the time. Uh, Can you explain why that is and how you've gotten into a sort of podcast feud with a long-dead philosopher? Oh, man. You know, it's funny because I'm, I'm I'm taking a break from working on... Uh, the hundredth episode to do this. And and uh, that means I'm going back through some of the earliest episodes and realizing that the feud with Aristotle began in episode one. Aristotle, <laughs> Aristotle. And, and at that point, I was very deferential. I was like, you know, obviously, Aristotle is wonderful and great and we all love him. But, you know, in some cases, he wasn't so wonderful. And nowadays we just say fucking Aristotle. Aristotle was a great thinker and he was a great philosopher, a great moral philosopher, especially. But he was he. He had a lot of really bad ideas, as anyone in the Bronze Age might have had. But the difference is that Aristotle's lived on with fervor and with uh, like an extreme amount of deference, mostly owing to uh, medieval Europe and actually the Muslim Golden Age, where every all the scientists and natural philosophers of basically 600 to 1300 thought that he could do no wrong, that he was almost literally an extension of the Gospels. In the case of uh, Aquinas, he said that it was an extension of the Gospels. So it became heretical to question most of Aristotle's teachings, even the ones that were, you know, on their face, just absurd. 
like that men had a different number of teeth than women uh, or that the brain air conditions the body, all kinds of wackiness that it was like, no, that's Aristotle said it and, and that's it. And so he led us down a lot of weird little gullies that we had to work pretty hard to escape out of and are still in some cases uh, working hard to escape out of. Wait, it's like because people think like, oh, Aristotle, you know, really old, like really smart guy. I'm sure he was right about about so many things. He's he's such a, a great thinker is how he's described. Right. Right. But the reality is he's he's closer to at least in the context of the constant. He, he's like he's like cousin Eddie in Christmas vacation. He just shows up and starts emptying shit onto your lawn. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a great thinker in the abstract. But as soon as he starts putting that thinking to like physical matters of the earth and the people on it, he is invariably 180 degrees from correct. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let us get as far away from Aristotle as we can. We're going to talk about who Mark Chrysler follows online. You can follow along with us today. Every person Mark recommends will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com. It's Final Friday. So, Mark, before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category, someone you have a love-hate relationship with, and that's the writer Malcolm Gladwell, who also hosts a podcast in your airspace, roughly, called Revisionist History. This is the second time he has come up on the show. If anyone wants to hear more Malcolm Gladwell talk, go back to the Michael Tucker episode from early May. You'll hear his first appearance. But let's start positive with the, the the love part of love hate <laughs> what do you love about malcolm gladwell and his work yeah let's let's start with the i don't want need to go in this hot at the top of this thing <laughs> uh what do i love about malcolm gladwell i mean i i love his style i have a an affection warranted or otherwise for public intellectuals writ large and he certainly looms high among them all and i do think you know I, i've read I haven't read his last couple of books, but for for a good decade, decade and a half there, everything that he wrote, I gobbled up and every idea that he sort of passed on seemed so delicious. And um, and actually, no, I'm not going to add another adjective. Delicious is the word. He comes up with really delicious ideas and he expresses them really deliciously. And there's no question about that. And his podcast, which I have listened to most of, I think I've sort of fallen off lately, is also, you know, an extension of that, of ideas that are just too chewy and yummy. As soon as sort of like the lead is put out there, as soon as the hook hits the water, you kind of have no choice but to follow him. And that's obviously an incredible uh, gift. And then what, what about what about the, the hate side of love hate? What's the what's what's the downside of this? Yeah, well, that's the thing <laughs> that I think the hate has been rising considerably over time. I know that he's just recently, he's made sort of a big celebration of LeMay, the architect of the firebombing of Japan in World War II. Whoa. Yeah. He's got a book out about it and he did like a three or four part thing, I think, on the podcast. And LeMay is, to my mind, a monster. <laughs> he was a really, really bad human being. You know, I'm interested in hearing the contrapoint, but that's sort of the, my beef with Gladwell is that first off, it's he's always taking the contrapoint and sometimes in dereliction of maybe being more honest or level-headed about things <laughs> but more importantly you know i i've i i got into a lot of feuds and, and fights with people over gladwell especially on the left a lot of my political lefty friends really hate him and see him as sort of a neoliberal uh, and, and, and for good reason too you know he advocated for broken windows policing he he popularized that theory which i think has been 
fairly disastrous. And Which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the broken windows policing theory, this is the idea that if there's already broken glass on the street, that therefore there should be more police there, that is there's sort of like a correlation of uh, small crimes leading to bigger crimes? Is that the yeah, general that's, idea? That's sort of the idea is that if you, if you let small things go wrong in a neighborhood, uh, it sort of creates a permissive atmosphere for greater and greater crime and so therefore you should sort of over police minor things and that will stop more major things from happening and that's sort of credited as maybe a justification for stop and frisk especially in Mm. new york and chicago where they were very bad policies uh that did not i don't think lead to much good but i I, what i've come to think is that the problem if if i have to sum it up or reduce it to one thing it's that he is so interested in these ideas he's interested in these delicious delicious ideas and i think he holds a sort of internal contradiction where his whole career his whole sort of milieu is about the power of ideas and yet at the same time, he seems to think that he's just playing with ideas, that when he does it, when he introduces thoughts, that's just sort of a workshop. That's just playing devil's advocate or that's just playing with I thoughts. See. And we're just doing it in a safe environment. But I think that he's on several occasions been pretty irresponsible with the way that he puts ideas out into the world because he doesn't seem to hold his own ideas and his old sort own sort of sending of those ideas out into the world with the same. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't think that they have the same power as the the ideas that he's talking about. Uh, and I I think that's a fundamental problem. I mean, this is kind of maybe a, a, a general problem with as much as he may have affection for the the concept of a public intellectual, right? I mean, this is sort of a related problem to Aristotle in some way, where if someone has a reputation for having really provocative, delicious ideas, for, for saying something smart about one thing, then there is sort of this catamari of, of attention that get, they get rolled up anytime they say anything. They, they, they kind of roll up, you know, um, credibility, even if it may not necessarily be earned, if they haven't done the diligence and aren't being as careful with an idea as they maybe should be. Absolutely. And yeah, and I do think that the history of public intellectuals is full of people getting over their skis and uh, and doing sort of damage that they obviously don't mean to do uh, or leading us sort of astray by just the power of the celebrity and a sort of recklessness with thought. I don't expect anyone to be able to be immune to that. Like, I think if you're in that position, it's sort of bound to happen. But I do think there are ways to be to wear thicker mittens about it and it doesn't seem to me that uh that gladwell wears <laughs> any gloves whatsoever i think he's pretty much barefisted with his ideas well as so i will say going back to the uh, the previous episode where he came up michael tucker from lessons from the screenplay said that in his reading the big thesis of gladwell's podcast revisionist history is don't trust common sense which seems reasonable enough to me um and and michael was saying that he had applied that idea to his own creative work on YouTube and podcasting and beyond. Back on the more positive side, are there any, you know, either ideas that Gladwell has put out there that you've incorporated into your work or anything you've, you've learned from following him that has, you know, kind of helped you, you know, become a better writer, better writer, better podcaster, anything like that? Yeah, no, actually, I entirely agree with Tucker on that. I think that he, the, the, that base sort of thesis of, not uh, accepting received wisdom or common sense uh, or what have you is is invaluable and certainly something that I received from him. And the idea that, like, I, I agree that a thesis is worth entertaining and going down the rabbit hole on. And I mean, that is sort of my whole 
career at this point. So, yeah, in that way, I, I'm totally with him. I think that there's an extra inch over that precipice where the where the rock starts to give way. Uh, and and it's a really thin yet dangerous and important inch. That was Malcolm Gladwell, the host of the podcast Revisionist History. It's Final Friday. Mark, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone you don't know but want to be your friend. You said Justin McElroy. He's one-third of the podcast My Brother, My Brother and Me, and also co-hosts at least four other podcasts. They are The Adventure Zone, The Besties, Sawbones, The Empty Bowl, and there's probably some others that I am forgetting. You can find him on Twitter at Justin McElroy, and McElroy is spelled M-C-E-L-R-O-Y. I'm also a fan of Justin's work and the whole McElroy family, but why did you specifically choose him out of all of them? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I feel like maybe, you know, a few years ago, I might have been a, a, a Griffin friend. But now, you know, in my in my older, uh, slightly more curmudgeonly and, and perhaps wise stance that I find myself in now, I, I, <laughs> I find myself gravitating towards the Justin. OK, so explain like the, what, what's the difference there? What's the difference between wanting to be friends with the Griffin and wanting to be friends with the Justin? It is intangible. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Uh, unless you're spending the inordinate amount of time that we're all welcome to spend with the McElroy brothers, uh, which which I think everyone can agree is too much. Uh, no one should. They podcast every minute of their lives, and they someone should let them get away from whatever satanic monkey paw uh, put a microphone inside of their mouths. <laughs> but um, what does Justin have for me? Just on occasion, he dips into a slightly more acerbic, uh, just a, the, you can see the notes of venom just barely underneath and, and, and he, he covers them well. You just get the hint and I, and I feel those hints of venom down deep in my cockles and, uh, and it's all I need <laughs> while, while still being an immensely positive, uh, present because all the, the McElroys are, are known for just a, a sort of a, an incredible positivity and that, and that's wonderful. But I like that there's just a, a little bit of acid note, uh, with, with Justin. Absolutely. Yeah, so on My Brother, My Brother and Me, he has a recurring segment called Munch Squad, which is uh, amazing. I, lo- I love it. Where he, he reads these press releases for new fast food innovations, innovations being in large quotation marks there. And almost all of them, this is like one of the, the things where it's that mixture of, of cheerfulness, but also it's a little bit dark where it's this soulless marketing dreck for just crap you should not put into your body. And he's mm-hmm. just announcing to the world just all of this, like, you know, brand partnerships where this is like the, the peak of late stage capitalism <laughs> with just people who should not be spending time trying to find new ways to put Mountain Dew and Doritos into stuff, and yet there's a gigantic number of people who that is their entire job. Are, are, you, are you a fan of Munch Squad yourself? I love Munch Squad, yes, very much. And I, and I, I appreciate especially over the, the last year of the pandemic because it lets you know how many of these corporate press releases are announcing some sort of nonsensical sort of in today's dark time, what you really need is a yeah. Dorito flavored Oreo or, <laughs> or whatever. troubling times. Yeah. And it's just, it's fantastic. What a, what a terrible bit of marketing copy. They're just all copy and pasting into, uh, <laughs> into these, ter- into this dark times. Indeed, <laughs> They're only darkening them further is, is the truth. Exactly. It's like, you know, times are tough, but please eat this 3000 calorie sandwich and it'll be a little bit better. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 
What was your entry point into Justin's work? Do you remember sort of how you, or, or into the McElroy brothers in general? Do, do you remember how you first got into this empire that they've created for themselves? You know, it's funny because I, uh, they used to write long ago, Justin and uh, Griffin used to write for a, a video game website called Joystick. And this was, I think, probably more than a decade ago, I think before they started the podcast. And I used to read that website because I am a video game nerd religiously. And I knew them just as some voices that I liked on this website. And then years later, actually, just in the last couple of years, I discovered My Brother, My Brother and Me and then sort of headed down the rabbit hole and then realized, oh, I've actually been following them for much longer than I realized because I've been following them on on Joystick and on Polygon, which is another website that they found because they're everywhere. I've been following them without even realizing it for like half of my adult life somehow. <laughs> so if you were friends with Justin, if, if you know, you uh, got in touch and he was just like, hey, hey, cool, let's let's hang out. Let's do something. Uh, wh- what's your what's your suggestion to him? What do, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to I want to take him for some disgusting, uh, awful Chicago cuisine. <laughs> like what specifically? Probably we got to go the Italian beef uh, or maybe we got a thing on the south side we call a gym shoe. That's best not to be described, but it's lovely and <laughs> awful. You know, I mean, there's the Chicago style pizza. We'll do it because it's got to be done. But, you know, we can really just make a day of, of traveling around and uh, and killing ourselves at a slow and yet accelerated rate uh, a few years back many years back now i participated in a um it was like one of those reddit secret santa things where you sign up to just get a present from a stranger and then you send a present to a stranger and uh you can put in a little bit of text about like what you're ex- hoping to get you know for, for in the gift exchange and i said oh well i want something that i can share with my friends and my secret santa was someone from chicago so they sent me a bottle of malort liqueur Oh. <laughs> um, which that was certainly a choice and maybe sharing it with my friends was a mistake, but I, I did. <laughs> oh no, I'm very sorry for everyone involved. We've got to do something about our, our reckless malort sharing. It's not okay. It's this really bitter, really foul tasting drink. And I think it's famously connected to Chicago, right? Is it your city's official liquor? It's the thing that we make people drink when they come to town. Because we're jerks. And then there are there's like this small sliver of the population that is actually grown in defiance of nature to enjoy it, or at least they say they do. And it's uh, it just makes me bow my head every every time it comes up that that awful, awful malort. If you've never experienced it, don't. It's really, truly the most abysmal and abhorrent liquor ever <laughs> created by man. Yeah, it's uh, do not give that to to Justin McElroy. I don't think I don't think the internet would ever forgive you. Um, no, no, I can't. I can't go that far. <laughs> well, that was Justin McElroy, who's on Twitter at Justin McElroy. We're going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with Mark Chrysler from The Constant. Today's show is brought to you by The Edit from Timber. It's a private space for podcasters to get feedback on their work from a group of podcasting experts. Those experts include Shruti Ravindran, the former producer of Science Versus, Sky Pillsbury from Hot Pod, and Jenna Spinell from Democracy Works. Oh, and also me, Eric Johnson from Follow Friday. For $20 a month, you get access to a special area of Timber's Discord server, and every month, you can ask for feedback on up to an hour of podcast audio. 
It can be a draft you're working on or something you've already published, whatever you want. We'll give you notes on how your podcast sounds, where listeners might drop off, and notes on your story, your format, your writing, everything. Each cohort is small and private, so you don't need to worry about the whole internet seeing this feedback. Sign up today for just $20 a month at followfriday.net slash timber. That's followfriday.net slash T-I-M-B-E-R. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Mark, I asked you to tell me about someone you just started following, and you said an account called Fruit of the Loom, which is spelled with two O's in fruit. So the username on Twitter is F-R-O-O-T of the Loom, and then the number one, Fruit of the Loom one. Their Twitter bio makes reference to uh, the Mandela effect and to things that are being retconned. Do you want to explain what this account is about, what Fruit of the Loom with two O's is referring to? Yes, I think that at this point, Fruit of the Loom is one of the sole reasons that I open Twitter. Yeah, Fruit of the Loom is an account that just pastes comments from a, a Reddit subgroup called the Mandela effect, which if people don't know this... I first encountered this a few years ago with the Berenstein Bears or the Berenstain Bears, which is what they're actually called. They're the Berenstain Bears. It's a series of children's books that many of us grew up with and many of us recall incorrectly as the Berenstain Bears because that's a much more natural sounding thing. The idea is that we've actually traveled into an alternative universe where when we were children, we were living in the Berenstain Bears world and then we somehow uh got retconned yeah as you said existence got <laughs> retconned to turn it into the Berenstain bears and the same it takes its name from this same phenomenon when nelson mandela died in i think 2008 a lot of people apparently believed that they remembered him dying in the 90s and so that became sort of this major schism where they said okay sometime between then and now we uh we changed the nature of the universe and when you follow Fruit of the Loom, who just sort of gives you the examples of these folks in their in their manic glee wholesale, you realize more <laughs> fully than you can possibly imagine that there is just a small but not small enough group of folks who every time they spell something wrong uh, or misremember a date or in <laughs> any way make any sort of minor or trivial error, they go, oh, well, of course, that means that the world has just been changed again. The only explanation, the simplest explanation is time travel or maybe an alternate universe. It can't possibly be that I was wrong. No, absolutely. Yeah, it, there has to be the the only reasonable explanation for the world that I live in where ignore is spelled with an silent G or whatever. I don't. That's not a good example. <laughs> I want to look them up. I want to look them up right now so that I can give you a great example of. Uh, yeah, th this is one that I found when I was looking at the Fruit of the Loom one on Twitter. Uh, it's a screenshot from Reddit. It's a post on, on Reddit. And the title is. When the hell did Ed Sherman change his name to Ed Sheeran? <laughs> right, yeah. That's a lovely one. I, I like the when the hell, specifically, where, where, where it's like the, the utter nerve of this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just, yeah, they, there's, there's a nonstop cavalcade of aggressive ignorance being trotted out as, as evidence that something has gone wrong with the world. And they, the moderators, apparently, on this subreddit have made it you're, you're not allowed to contradict someone. 
You're not allowed to say, I think that maybe it was just always spelled that way or what have you. <laughs> it creates this sort of like what steam engine of just like a, a reinforcing loop of bad information over and over again. And it delights me to no end. Yeah, I, I definitely was also in the Berenstein Bears camp. I was I was certain for the longest time that it was Steen with an E. Um, another one, another classic example of Mandela effect that I was certainly um, just true, true for me was in Snow White. The evil uh, witch is saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? Apparently, she never says that. She says magic mirror on the wall. But, you know, if you had asked me, you know, and until I looked this up last night when I was writing the script, I was like, yeah, of course. She says mirror, mirror on the wall. Uh, <laughs> Did you have anything other than Berenstein Bears that's like that, that for you? Yeah, no, I have the the Snow White one as well. I think, uh, you know, E.T. never says uh, phone home. He always says home phone. Right. There are lots of little ones like that. And those are all great because they just there's a catchier version than what actually we experienced that then became the cultural touchstone, which is a really simple and kind of interesting explanation for why we all have these like sort of shared errors but instead of going down that, it's just, well, obviously the universe has shifted in the most <laughs> mundane and unreasonable ways imaginable. Yeah, and it's, it's especially, so I think the original people reporting Mandela Effect, like they said, like, I remember watching his funeral on TV and stuff like that. So it's often, I think, related to some media we've consumed where our brains have just conflated maybe like, you know, a fictionalized version of a similar yeah. person to Nelson Mandela or, you know, there's, there's just some bizarre brain science happening here that I would love to really understand, like, what is actually happening when we delude ourselves into thinking that th- th- some, th- there's, you know, some retcon time travel shenanigans going on here? <laughs> yeah, I think it's an incredibly uh, Internet based phenomenon, because in in the in the olden days, people had things like this. I remember my uncle when I was a kid thinking that it was uh, called a weather main not a weather vane. And he was insistent when everybody was like, what are you talking about? It's a weather vane. He was like, that's ah, a weather man. I was off. you know, and like we all have those little moments, but the difference is when you can go online, you can find people who will validate your odd little quirks and so forth. And so they become not uh, your mistakes or not things that you believe quietly that you sort of grumble about, you know, under the table or whatever. They suddenly become things that you can, you can Amplify and exaggerate, and <laughs> we can make these strange behaviors louder and bigger and and worse. <laughs> oh, welcome to the internet. Our official motto is: we can make it louder and bigger and worse. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much right. Well, that was Fruit of the Loom, which is on Twitter at Fruit of the Loom One, and fruit is spelled with two O's. As it always was. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. Mark, I asked you for someone who's an expert in a very specific niche you love, and you said Mark Brown, who is on Twitter at GameMakersTK and on YouTube at MarkBrownGMT. And his username stands for Game Makers Toolkit. I follow a lot of video game adjacent people, and I feel like I, I missed a, a big uh, trick by not seeing this account sooner. Explain what Mark does in Game Makers Toolkit. Oh, I have done you such a good turn if I've turned you on to Mark Brown. Yeah, uh, he does a, a YouTube series mainly called Game Maker's Toolkit, where he goes in depth into sort of the medium of video games and sort of the structure, I would say. I'm, I'm from a writing background, I suppose, sort of obviously. And so I, I've learned a lot of dramatic 
structure and sort of how stories function and so forth. And Mark Brown is really interesting to me because he's one of a not small number of people, but he's really one of the best at looking at this new emergent form of narrative, which is video games, and identifying new best rules and practices and sort of how things function and when they don't and why. And it's it's incredible because it's like watching a new artistic medium being born and Mark is showing you how it functions live as it goes, which is just, I feel like that's a, an experience that you could get like once every millennium when they, when we come up with a new entirely novel form of human expression. And so you can sort of watch it happen with this very thoughtful and intelligent and perceptive uh, and uh, lovely British fellow. Yeah, I mean, because like the thing that's been really interesting to see over the past, you know, 10 years or so has been the you know explosion of indie games online and on phones and all of that, where for a while it seemed like games were in the sort of linear progression kind of away from Mario style games and everything had to be 3D and everything had to be first person. Everything had there, there was sort of this prescriptive thing in mainstream big budget video games where everything was starting to be kind of similar. And what Mark is talking about a lot on his channel that uh, seems interesting is he's putting vocabulary to the art, the artistry of all types of games of, of every, it's not, it's not just whatever's the current, trend in mainstream video games he, he's articulating why everything you know why something is satisfying to play and why something is is interesting or innovative um so yeah i'm, I'm really excited to check out more more of his videos yeah it's really to me it's it's really fascinating because yeah as you say it's not prescriptive it's very much descriptive and it's sort of looking at a lot of different games or experiences that don't on their face uh, necessarily appear to be connected. And he finds sort of the underlying skeletal structure that says, oh, this works the same way that this works. And this functions better when it's like this. You know, it's not as dry as that. He's a very entertaining writer and performer. It's like wading into a, a world that you kind of didn't know exist before even if you're someone who plays a lot of games but especially if you're someone who doesn't it's almost like a a, a really smart cooking show like jay kenji lopez alt or something uh for video games where you're like oh i knew that i liked hamburgers and like here's there's rules to hamburgers and here's why this hamburger works this way mark brown is doing that with with video games in a and that's just really fascinating because they're not experiences that we're accustomed to being analytical about and and describing so proficiently and he also runs an annual game making marathon called gmtk game jam so a bunch of indie video game developers are given 48 hours to design a game based on a theme have you ever um checked out the, his his game jams or played any of the games made by the developers who participate yeah, actually, he just, I think, completed one in the last uh, couple of weeks. He did. I can't remember what the theme was. Joined Together, I think, was, yes. the, was the theme. And yeah, no, they're all, it's really interesting because, yeah, you, like you say, they've got 48 hours to build a video game with usually two or three people or something like that. So they're very small and they just sort of end up having to concentrate on one key idea or mechanic, which, again, then becomes really interesting fodder for how those things work and whether they work and why some work better than others. And it's a really fascinating world to dive into. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I watched the video recap 
that Mark put together from that most recent game jam, the, the joined together game jam. And it is incredible. Like I, I started watching the video and the first game he shows, I was like, oh, wow, I should play that. The second game, oh, I should play that. Oh, the third game, I should play that. It's just like the amount of creativity that people can express when given to such a simple vague theme i mean it is it is mind-blowing it's so cool to see yeah and i think that at this point he gets thousands of entries when he puts those up too which is sort of dumbfounding to consider that there are that many people out there who are willing and able to take that dive for sure i mean that just speaks to the quality of the the work he's done he's been able to attract such a big audience that wants to get onto his his stage so to speak um but what's the uh the, the most recent uh video game that you've been really obsessed with what's the last thing that really kind of consumed uh, all of your all of your free time oh man yeah i uh, i just beat yesterday subnautica which is a couple years old now, but I just dived into it on the Switch. That's a pun, uh, unintentionally. <laughs> it's a survival game where you're surviving underwater, and it has an incredible loop where you just sort of, you start out making fins and little knives, and then you're using stuff that you find with those fins and knives to make bigger air tanks, and then you're making little submarines, and then you're making big submarines, and it's a really very terribly addictive game that... uh that my wife is not happy ate up a lot of my time for the last month or so. <laughs> I, I, I keep on meaning there's a, a bunch of folks like you who have been on the show who, who are big video game fans. And I keep on collecting these like great recommendations for stuff like, oh, I should play that. And then what winds up happening instead is it's like, or I could just play this new Pokemon Snap game because nostalgia. <laughs> there's nothing shameful there. Yeah, I, I I can't restrain myself. Nintendo knows how to how to press all my buttons, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm in the same boat there. That was Mark Brown, who is on Twitter at GameMakersTK. And if you want to hear another recommendation from Mark Chrysler, you can get it by supporting Follow Friday on Patreon starting at just $1. Go to Patreon.com slash Follow Friday and back us there. You'll get a bonus mini-sode later today. And shout out to our new patrons of the week, John and Justin. Mark, thank you for sharing your follows with us today. Before we go, let's make sure listeners know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, well, what's my Twitter handle? You know it. I don't. It's Constant Podcast, at Constant Podcast, <laughs> with no V, I believe. Uh, let's see. Twitter at Constant Podcast. <laughs> Instagram and Facebook at The Constant Podcast. <laughs> uh, the lack of consistency has been a real uh, uh, thorn in my side from from the jump. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, the podcast itself is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. You can get it wherever podcasts are sold or otherwise given away freely and otherwise you can you you can feel free to ignore me aside from those <laughs> well you can uh, follow me on twitter at hey hey esj and this show on twitter instagram and tiktok at follow friday pod follow friday's theme music was written by me and performed by yona marie our show art was illustrated by Dodie hermawan that's all for this week this is eric johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs and when you do say something nice see you next friday
Hey, one more thing. Follow Friday is eligible for the 16th annual podcast awards, but we need your help to get nominated. Go to followfriday.net slash podcast awards and sign up there to nominate us. Once you make a free account at that link, scroll down to the technology category, choose Follow Friday and click save nominations. You've got until July 31st to do this, and I would really appreciate your support. One more time, that's followfriday.net slash podcast awards. Thank you.